Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours as always. Today's guest, I, to be honest, I wasn't really familiar with until I was introduced by a friend. And I've just discovered I love his stuff. His name is Jack Dangers. He's a remixer. He was responsible for Meat Beat Manifesto, originally from the UK, but I think he lives in San Francisco now. I'm recording this intro before I've actually talked to him, but I am, having listened to his music all afternoon, I am confident we've got a lot to discuss and a lot to talk about. He is quite an interesting character, specializes in um, unusual samples of audio and video content which he incorporates into his shows and he's done collaborations with Bowie, Nine Inch Nails, David Byrne, DJ Spooky, Mertz Bow, Depeche Mode, Coil, Dubloner and um, Halsey amongst many others. I really like his stuff a lot so I hope you're going to enjoy this. We're all uh, finding out new stuff every day is a school day, every new day is a school day. Here he is, the dangerous Jack Dangers. <laughs> Manifesto <laughs> uh, started in 87. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I was in a band before that called Perennial Divide. We, uh, Brennan, no, oh, before we go any further, yeah, uh, people on this podcast are always telling me, you know, they're sending me stuff online going, shut the fuck up and let the people talk. So I'm going to leave you to talk for a bit after this. But um, I just want to say, you have a fine line in titles for songs. Well, thanks. There's some really, <laughs> there's some really good titles that I'm quite envious of, actually. So anyway, Perennial Divide. What, what inspired that name? Uh, it was um, from Naked Lunch. With oh, William Burroughs. I thought I'd of, heard it before. Yeah, it jumped, you know, like 23 Skidoo. I don't know how many bands. Yeah. Uh, Soft Machine. There's a bunch of bands names from that book, but it, it sort of jumped out at me when I was reading it. Right. So that's, that's where the name comes from. Fantastic. Um, and what was the style of that, that music? Because I've not had a chance to listen to that. I, I think you'd call it industrial funk. It was sort of um, sort of like 400 Blows, Cabaret Voltaire, right. 23 do. It had some funk to it, but it had the sort of um, Sheffield industrial sound, even though stuff like that wasn't called industrial at that point. No, but um, um, I know what you mean. I mean, they're, you know... the they're electronic. Uh, yeah, obviously, I was mate, they were our mentors, you know. Yeah. Although we never sought to kind of imitate them, really. It was just like they were, firstly, they were very friendly, and secondly, they were really encouraging. And we thought, we know we've got a different, our fate is a different path, mm -hmm. uh, you know. But uh, we always admired their um, their stuff. I thought, it was, uh, I thought they were amazing, live especially. They were incredible. You've done some stuff with Mal, haven't you? Yeah, I did a remix. I never actually uh, met him, though. Hopefully I will one you day. You never met him? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Mal is a dude, let me tell you. He's such a intelligent, sweet guy. Uh, I don't. I mean, every time I meet him, I just go, God, I wish we'd lived nearby and we could have a, you know, we could be in each other's presence more because we'd just get on so well. Yeah, and, I never met him. And Chris Watson, actually, as well. Yeah, now Richard's gone. So I uh, missed that one. Very but yeah, sad. they were a big influence on me. 
Everybody. Really? Who else from that period? Well, Human League, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Boom. In. <laughs> obviously, Dance Vision um, recorded opposite Calvin Flatt in 1973. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, the, yeah, Music for Stowaways, like you mentioned. Isn't that coming out on vinyl? Soon? It is. Um, do you know, the weird thing is, um, I was contacted by the, com- the the record company that's putting it out in the middle of last year, and I was, you know, in the middle of doing a bunch of other stuff, and I wasn't really paying attention, to be honest. And I said, oh, yeah, well, if you want to pray out and vinyl, <laughs> if you can. And I'm not bothered. And now I'm really chuffed they have, to be honest, because it's getting quite a lot of attention. And yeah, it, it deserves point. attention. You know, it's a good, yeah. it's a good piece yeah. of work. And uh, even better... I promised I'd shut up, um, but I'm not. So no, I'll, I'll be uh, asking you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm doing a show in Sheffield actually uh, on May the sixth, which is the day of the coronation. Funnily enough, um, oh, yeah. so I'm glad to miss that. Um, <laughs> and I'm doing a show, but it's going to be in uh, full three-dimensional ambisonic sound. Oh, the Octagon, wow. uh, which is part of the Sheffield University, it's their big. Um, it's their big. Oh, of course, there's a delivery coming to the door, isn't there? <laughs> one sec, one sec. We love this colour in the podcast, though, and it's this is reality, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> right. Okay, sorry about that. No, I'm no coming. problem. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm back. Where Where are you, by the way? Where, where I'm in Marylebone. Um, oh, okay. It's a nice area, actually. We're renting this place for a couple of years, and it's just off. It's near, actually, just really quite close to Baker Street. Four minutes walk. Right. But it's totally silent. It's like in a cul-de-sac or a muse, you know. It's just amazing. We're going to have to go some to beat this, you know, really. It's beautiful. Um, And so let's talk about San Francisco. It's a great town. Uh, Which area do you live in? Um, we're just over the Golden Gate Bridge nice. in Marin County in a place called Mill Valley. Right. So I actually moved there uh, 30 years ago now, right. um, mainly because I was working with a bunch of bands here, like Consolidated and Hypocrisy. Right. Um, and I'd lived in Swindon all my life. Oh, my God. At that okay. point. So, you know, <laughs> you know make, the, make the move to San Francisco, why not? Yeah, yeah, I went completely uh, west. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful town. I love it so much. Yeah, um, it's one actually, of the places that I consider moving to if I ever moved to America. Um, yeah, but I actually really like the whole of. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Los Angeles particularly, but um, no, I'm, I'm not either. No, it's too. It is anyway. Don't go into that. But I, I, I've never visited Portland and uh, Seattle before, and I really yeah, like both of those towns. Yeah, like, uh, it's too well, hot down there for me. Yeah. I like, I like the pine trees. And there you go. When you travel up on on the when you fly up there, the the entire, you know, the entire environment changes, didn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, and all of a sudden it's like you're in 
Scandinavia or something. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like bleak mountains and yeah, desert area that. down there, and then you get up here. But you know, fifty years from now, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to look like with all the uh, the fires and everything and oh, climate change. But uh, but you're. Um, I, I, I was reading that you are. Um, you're a, a vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and and you're you you support animal rights. You've been involved in quite sure. a lot to do with that, right? Yeah, through the years. How many animals have you got? We've got one cat. Yes, I've got one cat. His name is Moo. He was sat next to me. I was going to bring him into the shop, but he's disappeared. He'll jump up on you any second. He's he's half Maine Coon, so he's. uh, Oh, you got a big one then. Oh, it's 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 only half Maine Coon, so it's not. It's only two years old, but it's already bigger than all the cats. You know, anyway, they can be huge, can't they? Yeah. 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 I think it's the the. Domestic cat breeds. Yeah, they? they're beautiful and anyway. great personality. Um, so let's get back onto the music then. Yeah, so um, 86, yeah, Primal yeah, Divide. We did one album called Purge. Yeah. Then in um, 87, we did a, a 12-inch, which uh, Andy Partridge from XTC produced. And um, let's actually just uh, come out again on a compilation album Stephen Wilson oh. has put together. He's a mate of mine, Stephen. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah he's know. a good lad, Stephen. Yeah, I just Very did uh, three tracks on his, uh, working with him on his new album. I just did a remix for him, which I'm really? um, happy with. I love, oh, you mean Personal Shopper? Um, or no, another, a newer new, album? Yeah, it's, off a, it's a solo record, so it's his. Oh, right, is that what's he called? I don't know, know what it's called yet. Yeah, oh, it's not come it. out yet? No. Oh, no. oh right. Gonna be a few months. I thought Personal Shopper was fantastic. Yeah, and you just no, it's called Reality Bites. That's the name of the album. That's right. And they just did a Porcupine Tree album, new album, right? Right. Um, Yeah. They did did some big shows in the UK as well, and all that stuff. I wasn't really aware. Yeah, I wasn't really aware of Porcupine Tree until I interviewed Stephen. He's a talented dude. Yeah, he is. God. The amount of work he's getting doing... Um, well, there's surround stuff. Yeah, Dolby Atmos yeah. remixes and stuff. I'm quite envious because, I, you know, obviously I've been working in... I don't know how much you know, but I've got a company called Illustrious that does immersive soundscapes for uh, public art kind of things and uh, music. And, yeah, and, ambisonic. Ambisonic, yeah. yeah. So I've been doing that for 20 years and then all of a sudden everybody else is doing fucking Dolby Atmos mixes. <laughs> Bastards and get paid loads of money for it. Anyway, um, I'm quite proud of my legacy. I don't mind all that. But um, so let's talk about. So yeah, so that was that was Behead. That's a track called Behead. That was twelve right. inch. Right. So um, so that's on. Uh, it's called Intrigue. That's the name of the, oh, uh, right. okay. the compilation. I think cool. it just came out this week. So really. Uh, well, I hope people, you know, yeah, yeah, finally hear it. it. Sort of came out. The only person who picked up on it back in '87 uh, was John Peel. He, he played it to death, which was great. Um, and it's the same sort of thing, I suppose. Industrial funk. Let's say funk. It's because we had we were using electronics. But we had conventional instruments as well, drums and bass. Yes, yes. yes. So, uh, and then with uh, Meat Beat, it was more straight on electronics. So, uh, and the, in that same year, 87, we brought out the first Meat Beat 12-inch. 
and then it sort right. of uh, took over from perennial divide. So perennial divide only went on for about a year. Yeah, yeah. So I am really terribly impressed with your back catalogue. I just think I, I, I know I'm going to be deep diving into it for days. Um, I, I just think because I've actually done quite a lot of interviews with DJ, you know, quite well known DJs and stuff in the last six months. And um, it might be my favorite body of work, actually, of the kind well, of well. Genre, genre that I've come across. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, not that you need my congratulations, but congratulations. Wow. Um, I think nice. it does matter to have uh, support from your peers, I think, when you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I I'm, always... I'm, I'm basically, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. So, oh, sure. And I, and I mean that. I mean that. No, I'm not having yeah. all that bollocks. No, no, no. <laughs> um, anyway, another great title, I, I, which I wrote down, is um, this is a lot later, probably, but Loop Finder General. I think it, that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's such a great. That was another band that you had, or identity, was it? Yeah. Pseudonym from uh, <laughs> late 90s. Yeah. I was on a compilation called Hello Friends. Right. Um, and yeah. you worked work with a guy called Tino, right? And uh, the stuff... Yeah, that, that was our creation, me and Ben Stokes. And me, Ben yeah. Stokes, yeah. Yeah. And um, was that round about the time... I might be getting the timeline mixed up here, but was that round about the time you were doing remixes for, like, Bowie and stuff like that? It was a little bit after that. that I right. did the Bowie mixes um, back in 92, right. 93. Right. And then the first Tino record we did, which was like a breakbeat record. That was I like um, that record. What was it called? It was uh, oh, zero, not Tino's Breaks. That was, Tino's the first Break. one. That was so cool, man. We did um we did a dub record. Oh, Tino's the dub one, record, yeah. The yeah. Halloween dub record and Christmas breaks. So it was all very <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah, it's all very populist. Sort of, um, I love this. So, were other DJs dropping your stuff then? I suppose and using it for particular purposes. It's quite utilitarian, actually. Quite like that. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you know Halloween comes around, like what what mixes with Halloween to wow. us, it was dead. So we did Haunted House of Rock, Houdini, Halloween dead record. You know, <laughs> and, and anything with uh, with the word break in, so like Christmas break. So yeah, okay, we'll do a Christmas record. And, <laughs> it, was all, it was all rather silly. Tongue-in-cheek. Oh, here we are. Here he is. Oh, there he is. Yeah. He's a beauty. What's his name? Uh, Vito. 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 Our, our, our cat's name is Moog. Moog. And he's not he's not here right now because there'd be uh, too much noise going on. He's, he's very vocal. Yeah, I tell you what. Um, you know, Vince Clark's uh, son's called Roland. Oh, really? Yeah. No, sorry, not Roland. Oh, he'll kill me. Oscar. But it's named really for a sense, anyway. Because I, I always said to him, if he had another son, he should call it Roland. I thought you were going to say Yamaha then. Wasp. EMS. EMS. EMS Clark. Yeah, Yeah. Cynthia. Uh, Cynthia, yeah. So you've got one of those, haven't you? I have, yeah. And I don't know if you can see it. Oh, my God. I am so yeah. jealous. I could give you a little... Uh, yeah, please do. Please please do. do. I mean, it is... Uh, for now, it's only an audio um, 
it's only an audio thing, but I might put a little clip of the video if you give me permission. This, this is just for you, for you then, for your okay. uh, enjoyment. So there's the uh, Symphony 100. Oh, God. Uh, and it's all, all its glory. Oh, my God. How much? Let I... me introduce you to my little friend. There he is. I mean, seriously, that, if you sold that, you're looking at a lot of money, aren't you? Yeah, when I bought it, it was uh, like ten thousand dollars back in the yeah, it's probably twenty-five thousand now. I should imagine. Uh, I think it's more than that. Is uh, it? I think the last one, which I heard, uh, went for um, one hundred and twenty grand. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know what. And that was a while ago. It was like ten years ago. Oh my God! So I haven't. How many are there in the world? There can't be that many. Uh, I think they made um, twenty-seven. Um, and not all of them exist. I know the ones the um BBC Radiophonic Workshop had, they just threw it in the skip basically, so that one doesn't even no. exist. Yeah, and I, I think most of them are either in storage or uh, I know Daniel Miller's got one, right? Right, Richard right. James, he's got one, right? So, uh, but yeah, very rare. This is the uh, Moog Modular, yeah, yeah. And here's one, which is uh, I oh. got from Ian Craig Marsh. Yes. 89. So this would have been the Human Leagues or Heaven 17. That's right. That's sure. right. We did, uh, he did buy that before we split. Yeah. To be honest, I've still got the System 100. And uh, I think the oscillators are better in the System 100 than the 100M. But that's got more better functionality, obviously. It's much more... Uh, yeah, uh, sitting on top of a system. 100. Yeah, the system 100. Oh, God! <laughs> you know, you've got to do it, right? Do I have your permission to put the video of this little mini tour? Yeah, sure. Up online? Because I think people will dig it, and um, I know I do. There's the Jupiter. Oh, no. Do you know, there. I got rid of my Jupiter 4, and I've regretted it ever since. No, I I got this because of you basically, and no, well, you know that was on dignity that, of labor using the yeah, that I mean, literally, dignity of labor was a love poem to the Jupiter Four. In fact, I remember saying to Bob Last, our manager at the time, uh, I said, <laughs> I said, I will never need another synth again this is the greatest <laughs> thing because of course it was polyphonic and we'd not this was the first time and arpeggiation you know which we all take for granted now it's the first machine yeah uh that was commercially available that could do all that shit you know yeah so, um, yeah oh my what, so you had um a, you had a jupiter 4 and the system 100 on yeah, the system one hundred, and we went through the yeah. and the Korg, Korg seven hundred, the Korg seven hundred S, which I, I've still got the system one hundred and the seven hundred S, but they're the only synths I still possess. We just kept selling them to buy the next thing, you know. So we had a yeah. Jupiter eight, which was not as good as the Jupiter four, and um, absolutely agree I, with you. Yeah, yeah. I did an SH three A, which was a bit weedy sounding because the filters weren't as good, and then it all kind of went downhill a bit as soon as we got into uh, kind of digital synthesis, really. You didn't have any EMS gear, right? No. Oh, except, um, no, I didn't, but um, the band immediately prior to the Human League, the future that I was in with Addie Newton, yeah, 
Uh, he had an EMS uh, Cinti suitcase. Oh yeah, it's simply E, right? The um, yeah, yeah, the yeah. and it was yeah. so cute, and I could never, for the life of me, understand where he got the money from to buy this thing, because he never he never had a job or anything. <laughs> it's only <laughs> since then I realised that I think his mum and dad kind of doted on him. He was an only son, and just yeah. whatever he wanted, really. I know uh, Terry Voltaire had the um, Siri. He had a, he had a sympathy. Siri. How weird. Is it doing transcription? Anyway. Um, so let's move on then. So um, Spontaneous Human Combustion. Another oh, great yeah. title. That was a one-off. I, I want to buy a record that's got that as a title or as a group name. Yeah. Yeah, it hadn't been done up till that point, so... You know, <laughs> SHT. That was a that was a quick little project, lasted about a month. It doesn't doesn't matter though, because concepts are important. But it's like like the men, like it was a one off. Like the men, yeah. Thing, you know. Yeah, but I it's think an experiment. Yeah, looking back on the men, I think it was like um a prototype for Heaven Seventeen, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, not sure. that we knew at the time, but because uh, I had no idea they were plotting the bus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so I'm just going through this list of collaborations that you've done. Um, I mean, I love Nine Inch Nails, and you did some stuff. Are you yeah. on the label, right? Yeah, yeah. I first met uh, Trent when they supported us back in '89 when we were on tour in they America. Supported you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of shows. Yeah, yeah wow. imagine that. So we sort of, you know, got to know each other there, and then um, six months later, we were supporting them on a yeah. tour. So they'd sort of exploded really quickly and are still going. I'm such uh, a fan of their stuff, I think. He's so good. And um, in fact, all the band's good. And um, speaking of which, I mean, I know he's been involved in him and the, and the rest of the members of his band have been involved in doing soundtracks and stuff. I mean, have you ever done any of that stuff? No, not, well, a little bit. A little, I still do stuff nobody really knows about so right. um, yeah right. I've, done, I've, I've done that but the main thing I, I suppose would have been the matrix um, when, when they were making the first matrix they they had seven of my songs in the, in the film really? uh, it, but it was taken out the politics oh, no. came in they took out six so they just left one but it was the only um, track in the in the film which was uh like they, they were playing the, the music when they were making the film so it was the only album they had when they were making oh. the film Right. So um it would have yeah, there would have been seven tracks in there. Oh, um, hell. The, you know, the label the uh, I think it was Madonna's label, uh, mm. whatever like Maverick, I think. Maverick, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of came in, took over and, uh, and a bunch of other people uh, So none of that was uh, edited or made, you know, when they were making the film. Yeah, that's a bummer, isn't it? So uh, Depeche Mode, of course, you were you did some yeah, stuff. Yeah, remix of them. In '93, in '93, and Coil. Um, yeah, the snow. That was that was actually, I think, my first remix. That was in okay. 1990. Yeah. Cool. And Holsey, that's much more recent, obviously. But uh, yeah, that was a Trent production. So um, was it? Yeah, he produced that and uh, phoned me up. And said, "Can you do some crazy uh, square pusher type drum and bass complex sort of?" Right. Um, Right. programming 
so some trickery involved in in doing that stuff wow not really programming but uh yeah yeah so trade secret <laughs> oh no i know well you know um have you ever done an immersive immersive mixing have you ever done Surround. Yeah, we did Tino on the Tino label. We did uh, surround sound DVD. Right. Um, it was uh, sort of mid noughties DVD audio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it had uh, had visuals as well. Ben oh, yeah, did video, uh, for it. So we had yeah. Um, what was it? Five point one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Had, there was a Mauricio Cagal uh, track on there called Transition One. He was like a important um, music concrete electronic guy in in the uh, 50s and right. I actually came across two of his tapes uh, that's, a, that's a whole different story altogether but in Mill Valley uh, there was a sound artist called Henry Jacobs who used to live right. in Mill Valley and a friend of mine moved into his his old house and there was a bunch of tapes um, in wow. the, un underneath the house so uh, they all had things like uh, electronic music and uh, oh, music concrete wow. written on them. And I had a reel-to-reel -reel machine, so she, she brought over all these tapes. And um, two of the tapes were were this track, Transition 1. We would have to put – this is what they were doing back in the 50s for a, um, uh audio-visual performance called Vortex, which was at the Morrison mm. Planetarium in San Francisco. Great. They'd have two tape machines, and you queue them up with sync tones and impress them at the same time. And that gives you four channels. And then they would pan the stuff around the speakers, the planetarium with all the visuals going on. So uh, we, uh, yeah, so we put that on the uh, DVD. So that's the wow. only place you can actually hear that, that piece of music in the uh, surround sound. We, yeah. um, we did, uh, I'm friends with the guy who runs the, or used to run until recently, is the Hamburg Planetarium. Uh, oh. And uh, which is an amazing building, by the way. And uh, they've got a, like a 48 point immer immersive sound mm. system. And yeah. uh, so we took our system, which is called 3D Audioscape, Shambisonic, and, and, and connected it up to their system and reconfigured it for that system. We did a big 3D uh, sound, Heaven 17 gig. Um, oh, nice. It was cool. Yeah. That was utterly unique. And um, I'm very into it, as you probably would understand. I'm into all that shit. So, um, but didn't didn't Addy do one of the first ambisonic records for the the anti group? There's uh, every chance because he's a box of tricks. Yeah, I didn't know that, but uh, uh, there's every chance. Yeah, yeah for Digitaria, which came out in the '86, that was all um, yeah mixed ambisonically. And I had no idea. Yeah, that I, I now. Really I like think it. they mixed it at Goldsmiths College. Yeah, they. Yeah, had, I've done some lecturing there. They've got an ambisonic rig yeah. uh, there, and I've worked with them actually. I did a big installation at Goldsmiths. Yeah. Um, so where are we? So, um, what's the difference? I know this is good. What's the difference between your solo work and and MBM? Probably nothing. <laughs> Just the name. Probably, probably there's more vocals on the meat beat stuff. Right. And that was um oh no, that was mainly, you know, getting prodded in the ribs by the, the record labels. 
might right. have been on the, at the time. You know, they were always like, oh, can we do a radio edit? Well, it needs vocals. You know what? You must have come across that uh, stuff. Yeah. After, you know, after doing the instrumental stuff like Dignity of Labour and yeah, yeah. music for Stairways, and it's like, okay, so can we do some, you know, more commercial stuff with vocals now? So it's that yeah, sort of I mean, we always wanted, we always had a parallel kind of, the idea was to have a parallel career. So that's why we did, like, for instance, music for Stairways was like a kind of menu of electro pop with weird cover versions with weird singers and yeah. so that was like the more commercial end of it but then we also wanted to let our fans know that you know fuck a lot of them we're still going to carry on with the more experimental stuff yeah so it was like two two things that have always followed me throughout my career well we determined those paths to be honest and i think one involves the other actually as mm-hmm. well yeah i don't think they're discreet at all um, I've been listening to, <laughs> I think this is great as well, Opaque Couché. Right, yeah. Uh, which is your last full. That's the last one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been working on a, a new one since then. I think it's going to be a box set. Really? There's a lot of tracks. But yeah, that one came out in uh, 2019. 2019. 2019. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think it's fucking great. I did love you, it. Did you hear the one before that, Impossible Star? I think you've probably liked that one even more. I had a chance to listen to that. I I was just drawn by the uh, by the title and the this idea that it's the most ugly colour. <laughs> Apparently, it, yeah, it's a Pantone colour. Um, it's used on things to, to deter people from. Um, it's used on like cigarette packets in yeah. Canada, I think. To... I've got a, I, I've got a, a, a polo shirt that exact colour. Yeah, you know, yeah, could and, have been, uh, the album could have been called Shit Brown, I suppose, as well. Yeah. But uh, it's more than sounds more exotic, oh, more continental. It's got a hint of kind of green in it somewhere. It's, it's anyway, um, it's yeah, it's vile. It's it's vile, vile yeah. <laughs> so we did a picture disc of that too. Oh. Like we couldn't, we tried oh. to do colored vinyl, we just could not get it to look as disgusting. No. So we did a picture disc. So. <laughs> oh, really? And you did a video, which is just that colour on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That, no, that was the whole premise of that record was just that colour. So that had to be the video, you know. I think, I mean, I think that you've got a real kind of sense of artistic integration of everything that you do. Um, yeah. What's other than just the music? And you're a collector of uh, of unusual kind of visual and audio assets, right? Which you kind of do as kind of useful mashups, right? I'm a big collector. I collect right. a lot of records, um, a, a lot of synths, a lot of uh, you know musical gear, not do just synthesizers. Do you do um, kind of VJing kind of mashups live at all? Yeah. Yeah, we do that. Um, whenever we do uh, shows, when I work with Ben, we like to do the the whole full-on visual thing. So we like the whole video sampling thing. Yes, I love um, that. I produced a band called Emergency Broadcast Network back in '93, um, right? And I think they were like one of the first bands to fully do that as as their main thing, like every track. It was difficult to actually produce it because it had so many things going on in the video. Yeah. 
Um, and it, they were stepping on a lot of uh, copyright toes. As oh, well. yeah. The record label was always, mm, I don't know about. Now it doesn't really matter. Like no, 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 YouTube no. and everything. It's like it's like fan fan driven content, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. And but yeah, YouTube is a great source for finding things like that, finding drummers and you know weird French drummers and just nicking a how little you, bit. How do you catch? How do you catalogue all that stuff? Do you have giant servers with all this stuff on? And... Well, we get, we got we use this um, program a friend of ours wrote, so we can like play back all these video things, video uh, video clips back live. And so it's like a video sampler. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we have thousands. Is that commercially of thousands available? Of um, no, uh, no, for those very reasons that it's you know copyright infringement but um so uh, but we you know I, I do put i got a project called the forger and i, right. I just put this just solely a youtube thing have you heard of a uh, um a dj vj team called eclectic method yeah and uh well, they're I, english aren't they they're, sorry are they english they're english yeah, yeah. They, I went to see them live once. I mean, they split up now, and, and it's eclectic method is just the main guy. And we did a, I, I did a soundtrack for a, a, a VJ thing he did uh, based on Doctor Strangelove, and it was right. it, it actually did really well on the internet. But anyway, um, but th- I went to see them live when they had two um, VJ players. You know the scratch. Yeah. Yeah, I got the things, yeah. yeah. And uh, and three DJs all going at the same time. And it was like I was tripping, man. It was one of the best things I've ever seen. I bet your shows are a bit like that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. We use we got two of those live. So uh, we take turns in doing that. Yeah. And then we got the video sampler as well. So I think that's uh, oh, man, I need to see your show. Is there anything online? We, we, can you point us at anything? Yeah. I could definitely send you some links. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben does a project called uh, Dimensional Holophonic Sound, and he's always used video with that. So um, his old catalogue of back catalogue of the stuff he's done. Because I'm very picky about um, VJing. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not a big fan of just you know kind of random shapes and colors and all that stuff and beat beat driven thing i think he's a bit facile to be honest so i like things that have some kind of uh artistic context that, that yeah in time of course and stuff like that it really works that i think and um yeah, if i'm sure. talking to matt sure. you know cold cut right and uh, yeah yeah and uh they they do some really good stuff too yeah it was uh i can't remember the name of the uh the guys who they work with who did that stuff but we did a show with them like 20 years ago right um but yeah we we put a lot of humor in into that as well and we used silly clips and um it seems to work it seems oh to god work. i want to see your shows yeah you need to send me the links definitely yeah everybody else would like to see that as well um so uh where are we so um you got grammy nominated for a I did. Tower of Power. Yeah, yeah, that was back in uh, 2005. Yeah, I didn't win it, but <laughs> listen, more than I've ever achieved. Um, 
Grammy nominated. I think I might. Oh, I don't know whether Terence Trent Derby did or not. I can't remember. Anyway, I never got invited, even if he did. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what I don't know what it really means to be honest. With you. I don't think I don't think Queen ever got a Grammy nomination in the seventies. Right. I think it was people like the Eagles and Leonard Skinner who were <laughs> getting it and winning it and stuff yeah. like that. I think it's just a, a industry pat on the back and I think yeah. taking it that seriously. So I don't ever really go on about that either. So I don't, where did you read that? <laughs> uh, it's on Wikipedia. Is it okay? No. Yeah, there you go. Um, actually, see, your Wikipedia page is pretty detailed. It's, is it really? Wow, most yeah. yeah. I actually keep away from uh, all that stuff. I get this horrible feeling whenever I'm getting anywhere near that it, there might be something online about me, or I just tend the to stay clear of it. Yeah, the most bizarre thing is. Uh, is Wikipedia actually because um, I've discovered to my chagrin that uh, there was this photo of me from like 92 when I would put on a lot of weight and <laughs> everything looked ugly and horrible and somebody had put it up as my main photo on the page and I thought I've got to get that changed it took me about 18 months oh god really? arguing yeah. with them about it uh, so <laughs> anyway, it got changed in the end. But what's disturbing about Wikipedia is you can't, if you decided tomorrow to, to say, uh, all right, I'm going to do a Wikipedia page and I'm going to fill in all the details and blah, blah, blah. You yeah. can't do it. If you're involved, if you are the artist, you can't do your own Wikipedia page. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. Um, right. Music for planeta for planetariums. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And, um, so was that just a, like a more kind of esoteric thing you decided to do? Did it have a function? Was it specifically something that got used in planetariums? I think it did get used. I did. Um, I did something for uh, this um, museum in uh, Krakow in Poland called Hydropolis. Um, that was it inadvertently used um because they were looking for music I, I did a cd called Bafascaf trieste about the um the submarine thing which went to the oh, bottom of marion yeah. trench yeah. and uh i did that as a cd and it just came out it, was, it came out um like 10 years ago or something just brought it out as a cd and then they actually got in touch because they wanted to use it in their exhibit right they were working with some big deal soundtrack guy who did music for David Attenborough's um, TV programs and they just thought it was too too normal so they wanted something more dirgy I suppose right so right right use that so um yeah and that was a similar thing the planetarium amazing and so you've got a wide range of you're quite an eclectic dude, aren't you? Really? I mean, you, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you, your prime thing is is the DJ thing and kind of, I suppose, dance oriented thing. But it's much more than that. It's almost like a kind of collage attitude you have towards your work. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I definitely. Uh, I, I think even the perennial device stuff was you could dance to it. I think everything I've ever done 
you could dance to. And that's, you know, because of the stuff I grew up listening, the stuff coming out of Sheffield. Now you could dance to your stuff. You could dance to Cabaret Voltaire, Simon yeah. Command, Slugging for Jesus. It's a, that's a brilliant song. I always thought that was like the first jungle song. Me. Yeah, it could be actually, and I talk about it in a in a weird way. Um, so, so I've always done that. So when we were, you know, doing the first meat beat stuff, it was definitely aimed at the dance floors, but yeah, in a yeah. more sort of aggressive way. And I'm still doing it now, I suppose. I love your breakbeat uh, programming and mixing. I right, right, well, up with, <laughs> right up there with the best, to be honest. Wow. Um, um, and that's that's quite a lot of praise from me because I love all yeah. that I'm breakbeat kind of. Not that I've ever done it myself because I like the patience to do all that detailed programming. But um, I'm quite yeah, a good I, rhythm I programmer. But, uh, you know, that stuff is quite, I mean, like some of the stuff, I'm trying to remember which track it was. It might be in the Tino stuff, actually. Yeah, that's quite good, yeah. Anyway, so you're very good at that. There was some good stuff on uh, Opaque Couchet. There's a track called yes. Pin Drop. That's it. That's the one. That's the one with the video, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That made I'm me sort of, sort of proud of that one. I really, I really like that song. Yeah, one it's a really good song. It's fantastic. And um, yeah, what a good the, the video, the video, video took like five minutes to do. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> There's one good thing about this new world of, you know, not being kowtowing, not having to kowtow to a record company or anything. You can do anything you want, can't you, really? Yeah. And uh, you just go, yeah, don't really care if people like it or not. It's part of your artistic intention. And so uh, fuck you all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Essentially, you put it in such a rude way, but I, I, that's what I feel about when I... When we do things like that, you know, it's like, hey, yeah, going going back to the the danceable um, material, which I think yeah. is all of it. Uh, it was I, I did a quote for a Cabaret Voltaire uh, box set, which came out on on Virgin. They wanted me to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. quote. I said that they were the um, first band to do two of my favorite types of music put together, which was dub and music concrete. So I've always been the true music concrete fan, hence you know, like using the um, Riso Kagao piece. It's you know the genesis of uh, all electronic music. Absolutely, I did um, a, a, an immersive three D sound piece in the foyer of the British New British Library. Oh, foyer. Wow. Uh, with a, a, it was um, sponsored by Bowers and Wilkins, and they put in there. I think possibly the world's most dangerous immersive sound system. It was like made from their enormous, they don't generally do PA, right? So yeah. it was like, if you imagine a kind of Caribbean sound system made of, of the finest technology, I mean, nice. like space age technology. So basically they had this system, uh, which was, in this case, quadraphonic. Uh, but they had stack, you know, big stacks. And they, they described it on, on a video uh, about this system. They said they spent a year designing this tweeter system, which was which had a built-in laser measurement 
to to analyze if there was any harmonic distortion on the movement of the of the tweeter and then it would compensate for it before it oh my god fucking hell. Yeah. so anyway the net net effect was i was doing this thing uh based on delia derbyshire's um work and it was a kind of remix. but the next effect was it delivered sound with zero harmonic distortion or as close as you as close as demo zero harmonic distortion but at extreme volume so it was like incredibly dangerous tool you know if you can imagine i don't know 2k with no attenuation, no harmonic distortion, peaks of that hitting your ears, it's going to make you deaf if it's too loud. Mm. You know, um, I know PAs are pretty good now with all the line array stuff and all that, but this was of a different uh, level. It was like something from another planet. Right. And, um, you'd have loved it. It was fucking awesome, I have to say. Yeah. I'm doing another project with um, the Delia Derbyshire Foundation, actually. Oh, Yeah. Uh, reimagining some of her work. And another thing I was going to tell you was we did a thing. Uh, one of the other things we did at the British Library was based around Edgar Varese, uh, mm. um, Poem Electronique. Yeah. was ir- originally played in the Belgian Pavilion in the World Fair yeah. in immersive sound. Corbusa. Um, yeah. Corbusier. Corbusier. Yeah. So uh, I, I restaged that. That was pretty cool. Uh, and Narcus as well, right? So Narcus had something to do with uh, Narcus. Yeah, he had something to do. Pavilion, with anyway. Do you know how much? Oh, this, you won't know this a bit. Um, because I did a lot of research about it. Um, it was uh, sponsored by the Philips um, Corporation. Yeah, and they paid. Edgar Varese and Le Corbusier, $150,000, which is a gigantic amount of money. Just to do the content. That wasn't even for the pavilion or anything. Visuals as well, like films. Yeah, and that's online, actually. You can see all that stuff. Um, Anyway, we're all... Yeah, I love love that Dutch, the Philips, the big remakers and... Uh, he was known as Kid Bolton, right? Tom as well, I love that right. uh, that stuff. We could talk for hours, couldn't we? We've got so so oh, much yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, the the breadth of uh, what we attempt to do, at least. Uh, but unfortunately, our time is running out, so I've got to ask you some stupid questions. Okay, if you've heard any of the previous podcasts, you probably have heard this before. Anyway, it's like yeah. Uh, What's your favourite film? Uh, 2001, Space Odyssey. Yeah, mine too. Oh, God, these are all going to be the same as me, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it, but, uh, Have you ever seen it with surround sound? Uh, I haven't. Have you? Yes. It was unbelievable. Oh. It was spiritual. Yes. What, was it originally done in surround? They had um, four channels. Really? Four, yeah, and saw it at the IMAX theatre in San Francisco. Oh, it wasn't in um, wraparound IMAX, but it was on the big. Yeah. So was, um, get it? What was it? Seventy-eight millimeter. What? What? The original? Yeah. Format. It was, was, just, it, was yeah. it? Was it film or was it digital? It was film. Yeah. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like, um, 
the Stargate. Ascendant. Uh, the Stargate scene was the whole place was shaking. <laughs> it was crazy. And the bit, you know, where they get the feet, where they're on the moon, they get that feedback. Everyone had to put their hands over their ears. It was so noisy. It was wow. like, it was brilliant. Actually, I've got a good story for you. I've not told anybody else this. Um, I got in contact with a, uh, a guy recently. Well, he contacted me actually via the podcast. And he said, he used to be a DJ, and he, he in the seventies, he became obsessed with um, surround sound yeah. uh, and quadraphonic. And he said, "I've uh, and um, he said I've got in storage a whole bunch of uh, eight-track cartridges in quadraphonic." Uh, 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 and he said some of them hadn't even been opened. Now I'm going this oh, wow. to the treasure trove. I said, do you actually have the machine to play it on? Because there was actually, for a while, they did a surround version of, an, of eight-track cartridges. And Is it said, on quarter-inch tape? Yeah. Yeah, you could just open them up and put them on a reel-to-reel. No, no, well, in any, in, no, it wasn't quarter-inch. Sorry, it's a bit wider than that. It's like half-inch or something. Is it? But it's fine because he actually has got the machine with the with the quadraphonic outputs on the back, oh. so uh, we, I told him to bring the machine down to my studio, and bring the tapes, and I'd transfer them from, you know, as part of the whole thing. Yeah, and some of it's just great. Uh, some of it was rubbish, I have to say. They hadn't, so people hadn't really grasped the idea of what you meant to do. So things like Emerson Lake and Palmer, which was a a three cartridge set. Uh, <laughs> Where uh, the show that never ends, it was called. It was the show. It was the live show they did at the time, right. and it was just like obviously the engineer had not got a fucking clue what they were doing. So it was all like stereo stage in front of you, and then just like occasionally you'd have this <laughs> go around the back somewhere, and that's it, you know. Uh, but uh, there are there were some amazing things. There were even things like um, there was an Isley Brothers thing. There was. Right. All sorts of weird stuff. Anyway, what I might do is, with his permission, I'll ask him, is I might send you those uh, so you can have a listen to them. God knows how you're going to listen to yeah. them. I have surround sound there, do you? But, um, do you? I don't, no. I used to, but not, and not I, it's not currently set up to do that. Uh, I wonder how I could do it. You might find it interesting anyway. Um, okay, so um, getting back to the plot, what's your favourite TV show? Favorite TV show uh, from any period or a box set or anything? I probably should know that. Um, I, I, I'd have to sort of gravitate towards when I was a kid, growing up with things like um, Randall and Hopkirk, deceased, yeah. and, and anything with Edwin Astley doing the music. Ah, the champions. Um, champions. Good. Jason, Jason King. Um, oh my God, he was he was great, Jason. Always King. like UFO or the Jerry oh, yeah, Anderson stuff. Cool. I mean, um, the, the, the clothes were always the, rubbish, but the production design was good. I was always disappointed because they were real people. I wanted them to be puppets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, growing up, you know that period, that stuff. But more recently, um, I'd probably be Singing Detective. Thinking That's, about it, that was a good series. The eighties, yeah. The, just going back to Randall and Hopkirk. Um, 
deceased. Uh, Dan, uh, what was he called? Kenneth Cope. Wasn't yeah, it? that was that was oh, main, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he used to live. He had quite an illustrious career. Sorry. He had quite an illustrious career. He went yeah. all the way to, to the end. There with work. To live in the house I uh, uh, that I moved into in Primrose Hill and lived there for thirty years. Oh wow! So I think this. I think the ghost of Kenneth Cope's going to turn up. Could appear. You're, you're putting your yeah, marmite. Yeah. You're putting your putting your marmite on, on your crumpets, and he appears all of a sudden. Some Liverpudlian ghost, you know. <laughs> and, um, Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, so that's good. Um, favorite book? Uh, uh, probably Naked Lunch. It's a good book. Read it many, many times. Yeah. I used to have this uh, job at British Rail. I was a sweeper-upper. I was on the broom. And my work would last, it would take like half an hour in the morning and I have the whole rest of the day to do nothing. So I would just sit there reading mainly William Burroughs books. And wow. uh, that, that's always the one which, which sticks yeah, out. Yeah, it was a weird book. Man, I, lo- I loved it. Um, what is it? Where? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I keep going back to a lot of those kind of fantasy stroke, sci-fi stroke, futuristic kind of books that I, that I read in the 70s because it was, it was a golden age of that stuff, I think. Yeah. Harlan Ellison and... Uh, Obviously, Ray Bradbury, all that stuff. Ray Bradbury, just fantastic, and and even Anthony Burgess, you know, obviously and stuff. Like yeah. That. Um. Okay. Yeah, Clockwork Orange would be up there too. It's got to be. I I just did. Um, there's a Radio Four show. I don't know if you ever. Well, I'd have to be if that's where you got in Heaven Seventeen's name from, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just did. I I just did a Radio Four sh- uh, show called A Good Read, which is like a kind of book club thing. Yeah. And. Um, and they say you pick, you know, pick your favorite book, and we'll all discuss it. So I picked Clockwork Orange, you know, and it's amazing how many people. It's not randomly; it is in print now. They put it out again, but how many people aren't familiar with the book? And the book is genius. I think it's potentially even better than the film. I think. Yeah. Um, okay. What's your, who's your favorite composer? Here's a good question. Composer, as in, uh, well, soundtracks, it would be yeah, uh, Bernard Herman, Bernard Herman, right. Bernard Herman, John Barry for soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, for like rock music, pop music, uh, probably John Lennon. I'm a huge John Lennon fan. I'm living 200 meters from where him and Yoko used to live in Maribyrn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Blue plaque on the, on the wall. Any, any classical composers? Uh, Debussy, yeah. um, Sate, then, then all the uh, I, I don't really like him much before that, um, right. but yeah, the 20th century uh, electronic music, uh, music concrete and electronic music composers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stockhausen, John Cage, John Cage yeah. would be right, right up there. Yeah. Um, I've just thought of another question which I've never asked anybody before, I'm gonna ask you. What do you yeah. think? What do you think of AI composition? Um, I don't really know a lot about it. I know more about you know the Chat GP, uh, the Chat GPT, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a new one that's just come out. Microsoft's just brought one out, and Google's doing one. 
Um, so I don't really know about the music. I'm keeping clear of it, to be honest with you. Yeah. It seems a bit, uh, I don't know, imagination would just be going out the window at that point. Yeah, I was talking to Imogen. I did an interview with him, Imogen Heap. Yeah. He's always been right at the forefront of using technology and even designing technology. And uh, she's made, made a plea to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not welcome it, but accept that it's happening, whether you like it or not, basically. And, 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 yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and, uh, you know, we can't afford to be told, and, you know, we can't, what they call them, the ones who destroyed the, Looms and all that. Luddites. Luddites, that's it, yeah. And Captain Swing. Captain Swing was the West Country version of the Luddites. Right. Um, okay, next question. Um, um, is there an epiphanal moment in your life, a moment of realisation that changed the direction of your life, a light bulb moment perhaps? Yeah, when I heard Dance Vision... <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not, you, I'm not making this up. I am, that's like it's costing me a load of money. This, so I'm going to boom. I promised you a fiver for every mention. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. We, we're from a very uh, poor background in Swindon. There, we want well, my family used to work at the railworks there, and um, we didn't have a in Swindon. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We didn't have a record player. We didn't have a car or phone or anything like that. Oh, black yeah. and white TV. So radio was uh, was the main thing. So like tuning into um, Radio Luxembourg. I remember that's right. Hearing uh, John Fox, Metamatic, and the first OMD record, and that was slightly after you know hearing the Holiday AE. Yeah, yeah. E and and Transship Express. So all that 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 period in 1980s changed my whole life. Wow, and doing that ever since. So forty-three I'm, years. I'm so honoured to be part of your. I'm so honoured to have distorted your cultural development. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's an interesting question. If you had, uh, if you'd not become a musician, do you, do you think what do you think your alternative career might have been? Oh, I'd probably still be on the broom. <laughs> been working on the railways yeah yeah I, I really don't know i don't i left school when i was 16 i didn't go to college or anything like that i haven't got any bloody qualifications that so, uh, i would but yeah it would have been some laboring job i'd still be doing it now i'd still be living yeah. in Swindon. No. <laughs> but yeah uh, who knows oh, who knows, right? knows? i've always had that little artistic streak so what about, um, what about something like uh, graphic design? I was good at painting. I was good at painting. My, my, the headmaster put my paintings up in his room when I was 13. So oh, that's good. That, that sort of, um, you know, gave me some encouragement. So, um, but yeah, but the music thing took over. Right, cool. And finally, I think I know what the answer to this one is. What's your favourite synth? Oh, good question. I used to say Jupiter 4. Um, mm. I really like the Korg 700S. It's really good. Right amazing sounding. I've got two of them. got two of them. Well, I bought the new, you know, Korg reissue What's version. That? Comparison. It's great. 
it's it's great. It's it's got some added features like um, you can program it. Uh, you can save you know sounds. Um, that's a big thing. It can't sound you as good on the original one. It's, yeah, I got an old one. And I got a new one. So um, I still go between two of them. So I take, I take the seven hundred S out on tour with me. And I only play it for one number, which is being boiled, which is the encore. Yeah, that's the main sound on it, isn't it? And the look of astonishment. The look of astonishment on the on on the audience's faces. And I'm just playing, you know, and it's like they have not heard anything like that the rest of the gig, or probably ever. It's just such an amazing sound when you put it through a PA. Yeah, yeah. Close people's minds. Uh, so, yes, I will always love the Sen 100S and the System 100 for their... Um, just the... Yeah, I mean, you, do you, you use... Do you mainly use uh, analog sense? Uh, yeah. You do? I do. Do you? That's quite hard work, though, isn't it? Do you have a big kind of CV and gate networking... Kind of patching system. One at a time, really. I just set it up, you know, if I need to to use that Kenton, particular one. Is it Kenton? Do you use Kenton? Yeah, I've got a couple of those. Right. And uh, people uh, people who listen to this podcast will probably know what we're talking about. But anyway. But I do like I do like the Moog modular just for its um it stays in pitch. But right. the uh the Symphony one hundred's really good for experimenting because of the patch bay. It's so yeah. extensive. And I got a little Symphony AKS. That's one of my favorites as well. That's good, yeah. So um, it would have to be, I think it'd be between uh, the Symphony AKS, the Korg 700S, and maybe not so much the Jupiter 4 anymore. Yeah. But always, it was for a good 20 years. <laughs> Still sounds great. Um, and do you, have you ever uh, played with a uh, teenage engineering OP1? No, I haven't actually. You should. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do like the look and the sound of it. Somebody who's not a big fan of, you know, kind it's of portable. <laughs> it's not that; it's just incredibly powerful, and it's got a high level of randomness about it. Yeah. So it's like when you switch it on, you're never really quite sure where you're going to go. And next thing you know, it's like two hours later, and you've got like this. I mean, I just pour it all into the into logic and and then just think yeah. about it later because it's so intuitive and so brilliant i think i think it's the best synth that's been designed in the last 10 years honestly and i like the um uh, machine drum as well m-a-s-c-h yeah that one yeah i like that as a thing which does crazy stuff yeah, yeah. um but i remember um remember you doing an interview uh I think it was in the enemy where you went round to um, a synthesizer store yes. and you tested some synths. And, and I remember you liked the cat the best. Yes, the cat. cat. You know more about me. I needed to talk to you. <laughs> I needed to talk to you when I was writing my autobiography. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. I'd completely forgotten about that. Yes, yeah. I've, I used to have all your pictures on my on my bedroom wall. Oh, shush. did. Oh, yeah. This is that's that's another fiber gone. <laughs> Look, we're gonna this go. happen. But what an absolute joy, and I hope that we'll stay in touch. And um, I'm gonna tap yeah, sure. in a remix at some point if we ever do. Yeah. That. Oh, please. Yeah, I'd love and to. In do return, that. if you ever want me to do any 
immersive sound mixing of anything that you do. I'll, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll, Good do, idea. I'll do a, I'll, I'll do a contra deal with you. Oh yeah. I've got you on that one. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great for this uh, new record. Yeah. I love the stuff you're doing currently. I think, you know, I must admit, I went through um, COVID times and just didn't feel particularly inspired. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's starting to come back. So yeah, we'll, we'll get this fucking Heaven 17 album finished. I think you toured at the right time as well. It's sort of like everyone, you know, wanted to go and see a, a show. And now it seems to be sort of, I don't know, there's a recession coming and all yeah, this. Well, stuff. our... Um, the reason why we ended up deciding to do the tour, because Glenn didn't want to do it, because he toured with Holy Holy, you know, the, the yeah. Bowie tribute band with Tony Visconti, and he nearly killed him touring around America, you know. Mm-hmm. They had a very hard schedule. So he didn't want to go again. And uh, and our, our girl backing singers, <laughs> they were lobbying us for, like, <laughs> a year. And uh, in the end... They did something really funny. They made a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> really? <laughs> and they said, why? And the final slide was, we want to do it before you two pass away, you know. <laughs> I'll do it, right? <laughs> and that was the point where Glenn cracked. That was the clincher. That was the clincher right there. Yeah, and now they're plotting another... They're plotting another PowerPoint presentation, so we may well be coming over next year. Okay, man. Well, listen, it'd be great to meet you one day if you ever yeah. or if I come to San Francisco. But yeah. we could definitely do that. That's contrary. Yeah. I've got your email, so um, I'll let you what I'll have for you now. Fucking joy. Who knew? <laughs> I, I did. I knew. All right. Good man. All right. Thanks so much. Good man. Excellent. Nice one. Bye. That was Jack, Danger Man, amazing character, and uh, you know, obviously loves his electronic music as well. His EMS Synthy 100. Uh, he's got a very rare one of those, and. I like people who are like collectors of content, you know. I was always very fond of um, DJ Shadow when he came out and created an album entirely out of samples and like the avalanches and stuff like that. And I think Jack kind of fits into a similar kind of bag. Um, Very eclectic. I mean, he does stuff that is kind of big beaty and then he does, you know, he's done entire albums which are really more sci-fi based and um, ambient. I think he's fascinating. I love it. I'm grateful that I've been introduced to a brand new artist who I didn't know really existed before. No insult to Jack, it's just he's part of the American scene, I think, of remixes. But I certainly is on my radar now and he will be continually um, producing stuff that I'll be listening to. Hope everyone's feeling okay. Uh, don't forget to email me if you have any comments, uh, electronicallymartin at gmail.com. I know I ask every time, but if you want to support keeping this podcast independent and ad-free, more importantly, I can't stand it. I've got some really good podcasts that I listen to and it's so boring having to skip over the ads all the time. You're never going to get this here. It's never going to happen. 
So that's why I think it's like a deep immersion into people's careers. And I hope you like it for that reason. Yes, so patreon.com stroke electronically hours. It doesn't cost much and it really helps keeping me solvent. Um, I don't make any money out of this. I just need to be able to pay my staff to help me create this. So that's it for this week. Next week, another fascinating piece of discovery or somebody who you're very familiar with. It could be one or the other. Who knows? Bye. From Matthias Reinberg. Hi, I've written before and almost all my suggestions have been realised. I was casually listening to some music. I realise you probably have lots in common with severed heads. This keeps coming up. Tom Ellard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with their work, but um, that, I think they're Australian. Uh, but seems that Tom Ellard seems to be following the same path as me, apparently. Um, love the podcast and your style of interviewing, Matt. Thanks, Matt. This is from Mr. Doc, no, excuse me, um, Dr. Marcus Philippon. Dear Martin, so great finding 40 years after becoming a Heaven 17, your, f- wait, let me start that again. <laughs> so great finding 40 years after becoming a Heaven 17 fan, your podcast with all these great interviews of so many artists I really adore. Well, Finally, Robin Rimbo, Rimbold, Rimbold. Scanner, yeah. Scanner. A really lovely talk between the two of you. Great deepness and like listening to friends made my day. Well, we are friends. Yes. One question. Robin mentioned a dance music piece called Split or Split, choreographed by some Australian choreographer, Lucy. And he said the clip can be easily found on the web. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it. It would be great if you could send a link. I'll probably post this mail onto Robin. I'm strangely sure that I saw the dance piece on a festival in Holland a few years ago and it blew me away, but I'm not really sure and I would really like to watch this dance piece again. Thank you so much for your great work, Martin. Really a lighthouse in these days. All my best, Marcus from Germany. I'm a lighthouse. Um, why don't you forward that to... Yeah, I'll do that right now. <laughs>